Hey everybody, welcome to the In All Things podcast. It's time to see God in everything. For being here for our live broadcast of our In All Things podcast. Yeah, this is the first time we've done it with a live audience. So when people listen to this podcast in a couple weeks, they're going to hear all of you, okay? So on the count of three, I want you to just cheer for no reason other than so people hear you. Ready? One, two, three. Pretty good, pretty good. Okay. Uh, I said this first service, but it's still true. If we make a joke, it's not very funny. Laugh anyway, okay? Because otherwise it's going to be embarrassing. Um, no, but. This is really exciting. We haven't done anything like this before. Uh, even the first service that we did is going to be completely different than this. Um, I know Steve's very nervous to be up here with me. He doesn't know what I'm going to say. Uh, it gives me a lot of power, so it's very exciting. <laughs> I don't know um, what I was thinking. You know, when I had this idea about six weeks ago, I thought, this will be so much fun. In the last couple of days, I've been like stressed out because I usually get all prepped for Sunday morning, and I couldn't. So yep. it's exciting and anxiety at the same time. Anyway, here we go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and, and here's the thing. Like Devi said, we got a big stack of questions. Uh, I, I collected all of them. I went to Jared and Devi and a bunch of other people and just figured out the best ones because there was so many good ones. Okay, you guys had amazing questions. You blew me away. All right, some of the questions that I got that I was just like, wow, like you guys are, you have questions to ask, which is awesome. Um, but here's the deal. We can't cover all of them. Okay, and especially in 30 minutes that we have up here with you. And so some of them we saved on purpose for future episodes, conversations that deserve a full hour, 45-minute conversation that we can't do from the stage up here. So just know, if you don't hear your question, either one, it might be at the 930 service, so go listen to that. But two, uh, it's not personal, okay? Um, but we just couldn't, we didn't have time to address well, it. Well, they don't have their names on them, so That's that true. made it easier to That's not true. be personal. Okay. That's true. All right. So we, uh, this question was asked multiple times, but we started the first service with this question as well, very similar. What's your take on celebrating Halloween or other Halloween-related activities? So today is Halloween, so what a perfect way to start this conversation. Oh, yeah, that's a great question. And so this is one I actually prepared for because I just <laughs> did it at 9.30. But the uh, Halloween holiday, you know, so when I was a kid, went trick-or-treating as a young kid. Remember my parents taking me out and got candy. It was awesome. And then I remember when we got to um, a, a new church and we actually accepted Christ in our lives. It was a great time of growth. But the church also was uh, telling us that we needed to not celebrate the devil's holiday, which Halloween has a lot of connections to some very evil things. So we did what the church said. We stopped celebrating. We might have been the people that turned the lights off in our house and watched a movie instead of being a part of it. I don't remember exactly, but I remember we didn't do that anymore. And then I remember when my wife and I had our first child, and Zach's here this morning, when he was like three or four years old. We're like, man, it would be fun. Everybody else is taking their kids out, and we have some stuff. He could be a cowboy. So we took Zach door-to-door as a cowboy. He got some candy. It was awesome. And so we've celebrated it in that way with our kids. Now, the thing about it, 
is I think that I think that there's some dangers when you associate with things and you get involved in things. Of course, the Bible talks very clearly about demons. Demons are real. Demons are not something to joke around about. The Bible talks about witchcraft, and we need to, as believers, stay as far away from those things as we can. But I think it's kind of funny in the church world how sometimes the church is like, we're not going to celebrate Halloween, but we're going to have a harvest party. And we're going to have a fall festival, and the kids can dress up, and we're going to give them candy out of our trunks. Like, okay, you're kind of doing the same thing with a different name on it. So when the youth get together tonight for the well, you're going to have a harvest party, right? Nope, it's a Halloween party. Oh, so goodness. there you go. Uh, but here's the deal. Uh, we kind of touched on this the first service. I know we're starting off very similar here, but... Uh, I think it's important to say a lot of things, if you dive really deep into where different things come from, you may find an article or something written about how, hey, it's based on demonic something, right? Okay, yoga. Let's take yoga, for example. There's a big debate in the church about how yoga used to be a satanic ritual. So if you practice yoga for flexibility or health, you're actually worshiping the devil. Okay, I, I don't think that's true, all right? You, uh, there's certain things where they only affect us as much as we give to them, right? There's a personality test called the Enneagram right now. It's super popular. Uh, there's articles about how that's based on demonic rituals, right? But if I'm just uh, studying the Enneagram, figuring out my personality type so that I can figure out how I relate to other people, is that wrong or sinful? I don't think so. There's certain things I think, you know, they affect us as much as we give to them. Yeah, I think. and I think there's been this, in the past, this Christians pull away from everything in the world instead of being a good influence in the world. And the way I think that we can be light and, and salt in this world is by being a good influence in whatever is going on without compromising ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I've seen people in our church, small groups have gotten together and taken their grill out in the front during trick-or-treat and made hot dogs and given them out to adults, which is awesome. So I think there's so many things you can do to redeem something like Halloween and make it a, a positive thing for your family. Yeah. But it's really up to you, it's individual choice. Yep. All right, let's keep going. Okay. Uh, don't get mad at me for this one. Okay. I, I did not write these questions. It's your guys' fault, not mine, okay? Why is Steve's hair so beautiful? <laughs> wasn't me. Raise your hand. Who did it? <laughs> Who wrote it? Okay, uh, it was. It was you, Mike. Okay. Yeah, about as good as yours, right? Okay, sorry. That All was right. wrong. Moving on, moving on. That was, we don't need to spend time there. So yeah, thank you. Uh, let, let's get serious here. Uh, what is the difference between God and Jesus? Okay, that's good. Um, so kind of leads into the whole discussion of the Trinity, which is a, a huge doctrine and one of the most difficult doctrines to understand with our finite minds. But we believe that God exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? And so they are equal in power, but they're different in function. And so... When we say, what's the difference between Jesus and God? Uh, we're talking about the difference between Jesus and God the Father. And it sometimes can get confusing, I think, because in the Old Testament, when they referred to God, they were really referring to God the Father. And so Jesus and the Father, uh, Jesus said that. He said, I am my, I and the Father, we are one. And so people called that blasphemy back then. They didn't want to believe that. They didn't want to accept that. But what we know is that when Jesus came to this earth, he was God in the flesh. That's what the name Emmanuel means, God with us, God in the flesh. So he became one of us. So we have God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit all together from the very beginning. And when Jesus left us, when he went into heaven, he left us with the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. So 
the Trinity is one of those concepts that's hard to do justice in like a two-minute answer. Um, that's a deeper theological conversation, but I think maybe that clears that up for them. Yeah, I also think a point to make on this is that uh, Jesus has always been there, okay? Even though Jesus was born, and we read the story about it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, okay, that doesn't mean that God was like, I want to have a kid, and that's what the first time Jesus was seen, okay? Uh, Jesus has always been there. The Holy Spirit's always been there. Um, that, you know, you can see Jesus actually all throughout the Old Testament. So um, this, this idea of God being three persons is not like the New Testament just was like, oh, this is what we were missing. No, it's, it's always been there. So. Yeah, I mean, I think if you ever, when you read Genesis and God says, let us make man in our image. Let us. That's plural, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So who is he talking about? Jesus mm -hmm. and the Holy Ghost. They were all there at the very beginning. Yeah. Yep. All right. Keep moving. Here we go. There is a belief floating around that Christians are entitled, prideful, arrogant, and perfect. How can we disprove this, and why do people think this? It's a big question. Who believes that? <laughs> There's Lots a of people. A lot of people believe yeah. that Christians are entitled, prideful, arrogant, and perfect. Well, I mean, we know um, there are Christians that do act entitled and that do act prideful and, you know, are arrogant. And we all know that none of us are perfect. Um, we don't have to uh, disprove that because everybody knows that. We're all sinners. The Bible's very clear about that. Um, but people think that, I think, sometimes because of the way that maybe we act and I, I think the things that we say, sometimes uh, we have an approach that comes across prideful like a know-it-all. Sometimes on social media, we might have an answer in the Bible we believe is the word of God and we hold to the Bible and all of its truths, but sometimes I think we can say things in an arrogant know-it-all way. And I hope that, I mean, that, that those of you in this room are not like that and that should not be the way that we are. We should be loving the way Jesus is, and it, it kind of makes me think about something we talked about before, is about realizing it's not just about being right, right? It's about having the right approach with people, because our job as Christians is not to be right about everything. It's to share Jesus with everyone. That's why we're here on this earth. Why do you think once we become a believer, we still continue our lives here? If going to heaven was all there was, it's to share Jesus with other people. But when we're prideful and arrogant and entitled and act like we're perfect, that really doesn't show Christ. Yeah, and I think, I think that this misconception has been around for a long time. Um, but the problem is, is that even though it is a misconception based on the Bible and, and how we're supposed to live, it is true in a lot of our lives. I think that we sometimes can have this kind of arrogant, kind of like I know it all kind of person, like persona, we don't even realize it. So I think it comes with this moment of humbling yourself and realizing that you're not perfect and you don't have it all figured out and realizing that for people outside of the church, people who have never stepped foot in a church building, you may come off that way and never realize it. So I think it's just a hum, like you kind of have to humble yourself for a moment. <laughs> you do, and I think the, the word is hypocrisy. There's so much of it. And that's why a lot of people that you've invited to church, they don't come because the church is just full of hypocrites. And yes, we can all be hypocritical at times. But I think one of the things that used to be a real stigma with the church is that the pastor and everybody in the front acted like their lives were perfect. Everybody's dressed up. Everybody looks their Sunday best. And everybody comes into the church building and they act like everything's just perfectly fine in their life. And then they go out there and they live these lifestyles that are not perfect by any means. So I think that a big part of it for us is that we are real, that we're genuine, that we're authentic. And when we're preaching and all of us in leadership here, we don't have it all figured out. Our lives are not all put together. And we 
strive to share that with you and be honest about that. I also think another point to this is here in America, in the American church, uh, we have it very, very well, okay? We're very grateful for the things that we have, and I think sometimes we can kind of fall into this, like, consumerism view of church, like, man, that person took my seat. This is the worst Sunday ever. I know some of you felt that, um, but, or, man, they didn't do that song that I love today, so what's the point of even singing along, right? Like, I think uh, sometimes we have this very consumer mindset when we come to church of just kind of like, I want this to be exactly what I need. I want them to do that song to whatever. Um, but we need to realize, like, we're, we're privileged to be here in America in this kind of church. This does not happen around the world. Um, we're in a place where we do, uh, you know, we are able to come together and worship and all of those things. And so we need to take that out into our lives and be grateful for the fact that we can do this every week. I think so we take it for granted a lot. I know we do. We, we, we really do. This is a, like a special hour that we have together to worship God in this environment, to have this building that we have. But I think, too, some people judge some of those well-known pastors that are out there that are very, uh, come across very flashy and they look very entitled and they have sneakers that cost $300. Mine were like 30. So, you know, it's just that kind of idea, you know, and I think that can give people the wrong impression of Christianity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. All right, let's keep moving. This is a very theological one. Are you ready? Yeah. Do dragons exist? <laughs> well, if you watch very the movies, deep. obviously they do. I mean, um, dragons, do they exist? I, you know, I think that no today, but I think they did maybe. I don't know. There's the book of Job. You know, Job was like the oldest book. It was before Genesis was written. And Job talks about this creature called the Leviathan. And a lot of people who have studied the Old Testament think that may have been a dragon by the way it's described in the book of Job. But I don't really care about this question that much. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Can um, we move on? No, I mean, I just think there's some things we have to realize that we don't know. And, and there's not biblical evidence for dragons or certain things. But um, we kind of made this point in first service talking about dinosaurs. So yeah. um, the Garden of Eden, right, it's going to be restored. That's God's whole plan is to restore earth. And the whole earth is going to be like the Garden of Eden. There was probably animals there that we have never seen. Okay, animals that have gone extinct. Animals that, you know, man have killed, right? And so when the Garden of Eden is restored at the end of time, we're probably going to see things like that we never would have imagined would have been here in real life. Like things from cartoon. I don't know. But um, dragons might be there, right? Who knows? Yeah. But anyway, let's move on. Is it okay to follow my passion and climb the corporate ladder as a Christian? This is a fantastic question. I think it's great, yeah. Follow your passion. I mean, wherever God has placed you in this world, there's a purpose for that. There's a reason for that. And if you're in a position in your work where you have influence and you're able to get to a higher level of influence, by all means, I believe that you should pursue that. Now, there's some caveats to that. How's it going to affect your family life? If it's going to take you on the road and you're never going to be home again, there's issues there if you have a wife and kids or a husband and kids. So you have to think about that. Um, but I, th I think whenever you have an opportunity to have greater influence and God's gifted you, I mean, there's people in this room that God has gifted in tremendous ways with leadership skills, with intelligence, and you need to use those for the glory of God where you are. So if that means moving up the corporate ladder, as long as you're not doing anything sinful to move up the corporate ladder, by all means, I think it's a great thing. Yeah, I agree. I think there's maybe a little bit of a misconception of how God has gifts and, and abilities for us to use inside the church only. But no, let, let, I mean, we should take those things into every field and our job. Absolutely. I think if, you know, you have that promotion and you have peace about it and it makes sense. Absolutely. Like, I think 
we are, should be the closest people, the most creative people, the people driving our fields because we're the closest to a creative God that created all of us. So I think um, absolutely we should be the ones leading, in my opinion. Yeah, sure, and as long as the motivation is in greed, I think that, mm. you know, we look at the dollar signs, like if I take this promotion, I get paid twenty or forty, fifty thousand dollars more a year, whatever you get, and you think, man, I can do all this fun stuff with all that money. I think that's a dangerous game to play, of course, because the Bible speaks a lot about greed and how that can be our downfall. But if you're thinking, yeah, I'll make more money, I'll, you know, be able to save more, be able to give more, be able to help more missions, then that, I think, is a good motivation. Yeah, I think we're called the image of God, right? And the image of God is supposed to go into everything that we do. And if you have an opportunity to influence more people and show more people what that image of God looks like, I think, yeah, go for it. So uh, this is a fun one. What does God say about cancel culture? Oh, let me look that up here. And, uh, <laughs> Jeremiah. No, um, God, what does God say about cancel culture? So cancel culture, uh, everybody, I think, probably is familiar with that. But it's this idea that if you have a opinion and you share your opinion and not everybody agrees with it, you can get canceled. Um, people who speak out on certain subjects that are controversial have been canceled. That means they're being, we are being told not to follow them, not to listen to them anymore because they are bad and they're dangerous people. And so that has happened to a lot of people who are uh, on the right or conservative. Now it's happening to people who are on the left and are liberal. It doesn't really matter if you stand up for anything. And re recently it's been in the news a little bit about some comedians. Um, Dave Chappelle's a well-known comedian and he put out a Netflix special. It's crude. I'm not recommending it at all. But one of the things um, that happens is he makes jokes about certain groups of people. And that's what comedians do. They make fun of people. And that's part of what their, you know, their career is all about. And people laugh at that. We laugh at ourselves, right? So now they're trying to cancel him because of that. And he is anything but conservative in his beliefs. So what am I saying? I'm saying that it's going to happen. You know, if you're a Christian and you stand up for what you believe, there's a good chance that you could get canceled um, you're a fan of John Christ, right? Anybody here will follow John Christ, the Christian comedian? He put out a little bit about um, people being canceled and said if um, it was in Bible times, many of the main characters in the Bible would be canceled. Like he started off by talking about Noah, and he said Noah would get canceled because of all the wood that he used to build the ark. He didn't replant trees in their place, so he would get canceled for wasting all the, all the trees. And then he went on and talked about Pharaoh when they found baby Moses in the bulrushes that he said it was a boy. Moses should have had his own chance to determine what his gender was. So Pharaoh would have got canceled. And then Moses would have got canceled because when he took the children of Israel through the desert for 40 years, he only fed them manna, didn't care about people who were gluten-free. You know, and he just went on and on talking about Joshua, giving people milk and honey from the land and, you know, a lot of lactose intolerant people. Solomon was so rich, didn't pay enough taxes, he would have got canceled. You know, he went on and on. Even the Roman soldiers, you know, back in Jesus' day, he said they would have gotten canceled because they used weapons instead of just trying to talk to people. They also would have gotten defunded. So anyway, it's a mess. And like in our culture today, though, the thing is, we know what the Bible says. And our job is to proclaim God's word. But sometimes we say it in a way that is very hateful and unloving. So we shouldn't shy away from sharing the truth. That's our responsibility. But we also need to think about what is our approach in saying what we believe in, in being right? Yeah, I think we should never compromise on the truth of the Bible. 
ever. I, I think that is something that has to be prominent in your life as a Christ follower. You are never going to compromise on what the word of God says. Even if, you know, culture is telling you the complete opposite, you're going to say, hey, yeah, that, you know, I understand that that's happening, but this is what the word of God, the God-breathed scripture says about this, right? I think that has to be our, our first approach to everything, but it has to come alongside with grace and love and understanding where the people are coming from, which is something I think we miss out a lot on. We just go straight for, well, I know the answer. I know this Bible verse I read yesterday. I know exactly what to say to put them in their place. Well, what's your approach? What's your heart to doing that? Because I know the saying has been around forever, but win the person, don't just win the argument, right? Like love the person, be there for the person, hear the person, understand them, and then say, well, let me let me share some truth of where I stand and meet in the middle. I think this whole idea of cancel culture, the, the danger of it is we're taking away from the, the room to think, the room to breathe, the room to process. Like this idea of cancel concert takes all of that away because the moment that you, you know, hey, I, I feel this way or hey, I think maybe this is right or wrong, you could be canceled, right? And put in your place. And I think the whole kind of desire and goal behind this podcast and doing this today is to give us the room to breathe and talk and process everything happening in the world. And so I, I just think cancel yeah, culture stage. There's some of the questions I think that you asked and I didn't get to read them all, but Mitch did allude to some that we're going to do in future podcasts. He told me, and there's some controversial issues we are going to talk about, and they deserve more time and deserve more preparation, but there's going to be people that aren't going to like what I say or what we say and what the Bible says, but we're going to say it anyway, and we're going to talk about it in a, in a loving way as much as we can because it's the truth. And people need to hear the truth. I mean, I think it makes me think of the grace of God and the forgiveness of God. Like, what if God canceled us the moment that we misstep or we misspoke or we fell short, right? A lot of us would be in a pretty bad shape, right? But God didn't. He, uh, he, he decides to show grace and love and forgiveness and allows us to process and question and wrestle so that we can come out the other side being closer to him. So, hey, I'm thankful that God isn't bought in on cancel culture. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, that's good. Let's move on. Uh, how can we encourage someone to come back to the Lord after falling into the trap of the devil's lies? So it sounds like a more personal situation, whoever wrote this question, but I, I think it applies to a lot of people. We all have somebody in our life, probably, who you know maybe came to church at one point, was on fire at one point, and you've kind of seen them fall away and, and either give up or say they don't want to be a part of it. What do we do with that? What's a real way to have a conversation about it? What do you think? I mean, be confrontational and overbearing, probably. <laughs> That's <laughs> probably what some not. of us do, right? It's hard. It's hard when you love somebody to find that balance, and it depends on who the person is, right? If they're your child sometimes, you, you know, like so many people in this church have had grown, their children grow up in the church and then they've run from the church and they aren't in the church serving God. And it's just this heavy burden on you. You want them to come back. And sometimes though, I think one of the solutions is um, to encourage them saying things that are encouraging without pushy, being too pushy, but also praying that God put some other people in their life that can help them. And understand that their path back to God may not be the path that you have in your mind. Like it may not be Sycamore Creek Church. It could be another church. It could be another person. It could be something else. But I think it's about loving them where they are in spite of their running from God. Loving them where they are. Not accepting, because we've talked about that before too. That love and acceptance are not the same thing. It doesn't mean I accept their behavior and accept sinful lifestyles. But I love them no matter what. Because if I want them to come back to the Lord, being mean and hateful and demanding 
isn't going to do it. I also think with these people that we have in our lives maybe struggling with this, uh, don't look at them as your project. I think that's something that I've struggled with before in the past is like, okay, this person in my life is either far from God or they don't know God. I'm going to bring them from point A all the way to point B. I'm going to do it. Well, guess what? You're not God. It's not your place to do it. What you're called to do is love them, pray for them, speak life into them, encourage them when you can, speak truth, and plant the seeds for God to show up. We are not the people that save other people. Like I, I think we have this misconception, which stops us from going into our workplaces and telling other people about Jesus. All these things is we have this misconception that we have to get them saved. We have to get them across the line to salvation. No, just be faithful, love them, speak truth, and let God fill in the rest. I think that's exactly what we have to do even with people close to us. Yeah, I think there's times too when I find it in my life where God will put something on my mind and my heart about someone I haven't seen in a while. And what I don't do is just let that go. Like, I'll send a text or if I don't have their number, an email or, or send them a message in some way. Just say, God brought you to my mind today. I saw something reminded me. It might have been something about what connected us in our relationship. And sometimes that little thing can be a trigger mm -hmm. to bring them back to the Lord. So be open to that. Always be in tune with what God might be telling you in your mind about somebody, and don't ignore that. Yeah. Right? Okay. All right. We got time for about two more. Okay. Man, this is going fast. So are there missing books of the Bible? If so, why? <laughs> okay. That's a big question. Um, are there missing books of the Bible? I believe that, no, God's word is uh, completely intact. There was um, back in the early church, a process of the canonization of the Bible to get our 66 books of the Bible, 39 Old Testament, 27 New Testament. And so um, there was a process, and they went through certain criteria that, that it had to prove, it had to uh, pass. So the early church leaders in the early church, they, they looked at the Old Testament, and there was all these things that it had to pass in order to be part of the Old Testament. And there were some things that did not pass. Some of you know, uh, some of you may have a Catholic Bible. There's some books that are there that aren't in our Bible. It's called the Apocrypha. Those books were good historical documents, and they did talk about God, but they didn't pass all of the criteria. And there were some things that weren't in them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they had to be written by a prophet of God. There had to be eyewitnesses who knew these people that wrote the Bible. And we finally, in the 300s, got it all finalized. Several councils that went through and looked at all the books of the New Testament. And, and we ended up with our Bible mm -hmm. that we believe is the inspired word of God. Yeah. Now, there's nothing wrong with looking at those other books and learning more about history and getting deeper into the Word of God. There's a lot out there, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we have to trust that there's been lots and lots and lots of councils of men and women smarter than us um, that have sat here and, and prepared the Word of God that we have now, the 66 books that we call our Bible. Um, I, I mean, it's a lot of the Bible is eyewitness accounts or historical accounts of things that happened. With something as revolutionary as Jesus and the first church and all those things, do you think there was only 66 books or, or you know, 27 books written about it? No, I'm sure there was way more. But we have to trust that the ones that we have, you know, God has put those people in place to bring the Bible to us in 2021. And I think if you will take the time on your own to do more studying of this subject, you'll feel more and more affirmation about what we're saying, because this is something that you and I probably both um, had covered in a class that we had in college, and it was several lectures that were each you know, an hour long. So anyway. <laughs> yep. Here. All right. This might be our last one. Uh, let's get real uh, applicable, not applicable. applicable. Yeah. What are some ways to start religious conversations? So I think this is a question a lot of us have. So let's, what do you got? I, I think definitely you look for what you have in common with somebody. 
I think it's very difficult to just go right into a religious conversation to talk to somebody about your faith just before you get to know them. So I think you build, build a trust with people. And so whatever it is that you have in common with someone is one of the first ways to start a conversation. And I think, you know, if you go to work on Monday, it's easy to say, hey, what did you do this weekend? And if they return the question, you could be like, well, um, I watched the Buckeye game. And then, man, Sunday at my church, they did this really cool thing. They had these two guys on stage answering questions. I mean, right? I mean, so anyway, you, you can start conversations that lead to you being able to bring up your faith. And then you just find out if there's an open door there. But what's curious to me or interesting to me is how when you plant seeds like that, they may not ask big questions at that moment. And it may not be the right time. But when something else comes up in your life or in their life, they're going to know that you're the person to go to when it comes to something about God. I, I see this with my wife a lot with her work. And, and I, of course, work in the church world. Obviously, you know that. But she works in the secular world. And there are people that know who she is as a believer and then know that her husband's a pastor. And they don't say anything about it except when they have a prayer request. And then they'll message her and be like, can you pray for me? And so that's, you know, significant. So you never know when those doors are going to open. Which is also a reason why we need to live like Jesus every day and everywhere that we are. Because I think the way that we live our lives at work, at school, wherever we are, let your life open the door to a further conversation. Don't show up and say, hey, guess what? You're going to hell. Like, okay, slow down, right? People are going to say, all right, never going to church again, right? But, you know, if, if I love them and I'm there for them all the time and I'm consistent in who I am, at some point, uh, maybe they're going to say, man, I want to know more about what makes you so joyful, what makes you so have so much peace in your life. I want to know more about it. There's the open door to say, hey, you know, l let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell about the church I go to. Let me tell you about how I serve. Let, you know, like I think the way that we live, that opens the door to those conversations. Yeah, another thing I was just thinking is one of the, and we're not trying to sell stuff here, but we have merch. And what's cool is that we, we, get, we sell that merch because we want you to wear it out there. It's nice when you wear it to church so we can see you wearing it. But it's also great when you wear it because we don't wear just, hey, I go to Sycamore Creek Church. They say things that are like, oh, like the one DeVee had on this morning. What does it say? He's, Mountains are still being moved. Like somebody might say, what is that about? And it's an open to a conversation, mm -hmm. open to a conversation yeah. that you can have. And so... It's just, there's, if you look for it, they're there. If, you, if you're aware, if you're open to it. Yeah, that's our next t-shirt we're coming out with. I go to Sycamore <laughs> Creek Church. It's going to be really Ask cool. Ask me for directions. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Uh, well, this has been fun. We're running out of time. Damn. So uh, I shared this this morning, but same thing. Here's the deal. Some of us are afraid of questions. I think uh, maybe you grew up in a, in a church or a faith style where you, you didn't know if you could ask questions or weren't sure if that was right or wrong. Um, God, God wants your questions, okay? Like God accepts them. He wants you to explore. He wants you to be curious. He wants you to question. I've always been told this. Is it true? Let me see if it holds up. He wants you to investigate, uh, you know, following him. And so I think today has been a really cool conversation for us because we've gotten to see where you guys are uh, and some of the questions that you guys have of just how to live for Jesus. Jesus every day. And I think we could go on for hours doing this with the amount of uh, questions that we had, but don't be scared of questions. Jesus, uh, God, you know, they, they want to hear them. They want you to dig and to find the answers to them. And maybe you're not going to like the answers and you know, you got to change your lifestyle, but they want you to search for it. And like you said, first service, sometimes the people who are searching for the answers are the people who are closest to Jesus, the people who are closest to God, because they're not afraid to just, Hey, I I'm not sure if I believe this. I'm not sure if this is just 
what I've always been told. Let me investigate it for myself. I think that's such an important part of our faith that we don't talk about very much. Yeah, that's why one of the reasons we're doing this weekly podcast is because we want to, we want to really invest more in your life than the one hour you have on Sunday morning. And if you listen on Wednesday, it's not a Bible study. We're not sitting there preaching through the Bible like we do on Sunday morning, except for this week. But what it is, is a conversation. It's a conversation about things that are happening in our world, in our lives. And we want you to grow in your faith through conversations that you have with us, with others, with your small groups. Mm-hmm. And then really, that's what's all about. And really, conversation with God, which is yeah, prayer. Definitely. All right. Well, let's, let's close in prayer this morning. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we're so thankful for the chance to come together this morning and just do something a little bit different. Uh, but Lord, today was, was really an awesome opportunity to come before you and just uh, explore some of the different char- characteristics of you and how you want us to live. Lord, I pray that for people in this room, maybe their question got answered, maybe it didn't. I pray that they don't stop exploring. I think there's a beauty and a wonder that comes with searching your word, searching Google if we have to, uh, talking to people we trust to figure out more about you. So Lord, I pray that today was a step uh, in that. It was a conversation that honored you first, but also just spoke to us and the different questions and things that we have about following you. But Lord, uh, we love you so much. I pray that everybody in this room uh, just heard from you this morning. I pray that we can I'll come back next week. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the In All Things podcast. Our challenge for you today is to send this episode to one person. Seriously, think of somebody right now that could use this conversation and send it to them. If you have any questions, feedback, or topic ideas, please send them to podcast at sycamorecreek.org and make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Sycamore Creek Church so that you can always see what's going on in our world. If this conversation helped you at all, make sure you share it, leave a review, and subscribe so that you don't miss out on a single episode. We love you, God loves you, and we'll see you next week on the In All Things podcast.